This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, uh, we're going to be talking tonight about how you can love your neighbor as you love yourself, how to change in your love walk, etc., etc. Mrs. Pastor kind of tapped into something that I was uh, getting while we were up here worshiping God. Don't know if you ever said this way or not. But uh, in my profession, if you call, I call what I do a profession, like some of you are in different, different uh, job things. I think about Dave McNeil. He's got a profession called mechanic. Amen. And Jacob has a profession called soldier. Paul has a profession called uh, airplane lander. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do you call yourself, Paul? A, a fueler. But you work in there and you tell them, you talk to them on the microphone when they're coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And so lots of people have lots of things. Uh, let me ask you something, Dave. I've got, got a question for you. Do you have a thing called a toolbox? What do you keep in your toolbox? Do you know how to use most of them? How, how valuable would they be if somebody gave you a great big multi-million dollar tool but never told you how to use it? It would shine good, but it wouldn't benefit you, would it? Hey, bad paperweight. Well, as we were worshiping God, I was realizing that my Bible is my toolbox. And so over the years since I've been a Christian, I was talking to Anthony a while ago. I guess he's walking around. Anthony, I've got a couple of books I'm going to show tonight at the bookstore that are really good books that I, I, I used I, when I was a baby Christian. They really, really helped me. And I realized that all the, you think I got thousands of books or multiplied, I don't know how many I got. Probably a couple thousand, I guess. I don't know. But I got a whole wall in my, in my study place at home there full of books and Bibles and stuff like that. I probably got, I don't even know, 30, 40, 50 Bibles, different kinds, and all kinds of things, etc. But I realized all the books I've got, stuff i got up there, that's my toolbox. And when I used to be a, a, a truck driver, I didn't think anything at all about these mechanics who worked on our trucks. Every week the, the Mac tool man would come past and... They would have counts with him, but they'd buy new tools all the time. And things like that. But that, that was what they made their living with. If you're working on big trucks, it's nice to have the right tool. It's nice to be able to know how to use the right tool. You know, I bought tools before that because I saw somebody else have them, and then after I bought them, I realized, man, I don't know what to do with this. I thought, man, I saw that guy used it down at the place, and it really made his job easy. But nobody told me what to do with it. So I spent the money, and I got it so I could look at it until I learned how to use it. But I realized that my Bible is my main toolbox. And the verses that I pull out of there are my tools. And I realized that every time you come in the door, I'm helping to tune you up. I listen to the Holy Ghost about do they need tuned up in their marriages and their homes? Do they need tuned up in their, uh, about how they believe about money? Do they need tuned up about their job? Do they need tuned up about their their health, what do they need tuned up with? But then at the same time, taking a step past that, how many know who Joe is, my son? Oh, well, he's out in uh, Virginia right now, and he's in school to be a machinist. And he's had a few different sergeants out there keep teaching him things. And uh, he had a sergeant recently that's kind of a, he's probably a nice guy, I'm sure, but he's a different kind of teacher than the one he's got the main teacher. This guy just comes in there. And when he's having problems learning how to use this lathe, the guy wouldn't tell him anything. He said, you got the materials, materials, learn it. And 
Joe says, yes, sir. Because that's all you can say is yes, sir. And so anyway, they would take a test. And uh, he didn't, wasn't as good as a test as he could have done. But then his real sergeant came in to get to do the test again. And his real sergeant hadn't been there for a few days. He came back and he come up and saw him doing what he's doing for the test. He said, what are you doing that for? He said, well, Sergeant So-and-so told me to. He said, he told you wrong. He said, that's not how you do it. And so the guy stopped, took the time, showed him how to put the tool in the machine at the right place, showed him the right revolutions for the thing to turn to do what he's supposed to do, showed him how to do it, and he passed the test. And so I'm not going to come in here and tell you this is what you can have, but I'm going to show you how to use the tool. I'm going to show you how to use the machine. I'm going to show you, and you know those commercials, I don't know if they still have it or not, because with DVRs, I don't watch commercials, I go through them real fast. But they used to have these commercials where they'd do stuff, and then they'd say, this is done by actual trade professionals, don't try this at home. You ever seen those? Well, I want to tell you this, the things I've teaching you is done by an anointed man of God, and you do need to try it at home. You need to do it at home, you need to do it on your job, everywhere you go. I'm not going to keep what I've got and say you can't have it. I get paid by God to give it to you and make sure you do have it. you got to get it. So start off with, I'm going to give you some, some tools, and maybe some of you have these, but don't look at these tools. I'm going to hand that to you right now to after I go through a few uh, things out of the Bible to show you how to use the tools I'm giving you. But I guarantee you that these tools, these things that God has shown me how to use for these last 37-plus years have changed my life, and my life has stayed changed. It's my family walking in victory. We're walking in victory. We're not poor. We're not broke. We're not sick. We're not depressed. We're people that serve God, and my family loves serving God, and I'm not concerned about is my family not going to serve God if I go to heaven. I know my family will keep serving God because I've learned how to use what I've got. So anyway, where's one of my anointed ushers at? Where's one of my anointed ushers at? <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. Would you hand one of these out to everybody? And if you've already got one, then you're familiar with the tool. But some people here... Thank you, sir. Aren't, and we're going to show you how to use this. I'm going to show you a couple things out of the bookstore that will help you with these. These are excellent additions to your tool chest. This is, you can have what you say. And I, I just want to tweak that a little bit and say you will have what you say. You can and you will. And somebody said, oh boy, that kills me. Well, I hope it doesn't kill you. I hope you learn to start talking different. I hope you start saying that gives me life. I hope you quit saying things like that scares me to death. Why can't you be faith to life? Yeah. Amen. Why, why does it have to stick out? Like a sore thumb. Why can't it stick out like a healed thumb? Amen. There's so many things that you're programmed to say that you're bringing things on you you don't really want. And uh, this is called God's creative power. God's creative power. Out of all the books back there, a little mini rack at the bookstore, I would highly recommend that you have this wrench in your toolbox, this universal wrench. This will fit anything and do anything what's in this little tool right here. It will absolutely, absolutely help you get on the right road to winning in life. What did you say, Mrs. Pastor? Well, I thought I already told him, but you're the blonde-headed wife sits in the front row, and you're an awesome tool. 
God's creative power. Is that good? Thank you. All right, look at Matthew chapter 22. And the official title was How to Love Yourself So You Can Love Others. How to Love Yourself So You Can Love Others. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. I'm going to read this, talk a little bit about it, and then we'll keep moving so I've got time left to get to that tool I just gave you, what I call a never again card. So Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. There was, there was a lawyer come to Jesus, and he said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? How many here have heard of the Ten Commandments? All right. So this man's asking him, hey, well, the Ten Commandments, Master, which one's the greatest? And Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And so, how many know... That's really a great thing to do is to sell out to God. Sell out to God and just live your life around the fact being that I know God made me. God can protect me. God's the one that knows everything, can do anything. And I'm going to love him with everything I am. I'm going to love God. And so that's what Jesus said this. He says, this is the first and great commandment. And I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? He said the great commandment is to love God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind. And then he said this, And the second commandment is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said the second commandment is equal to the first commandment. He said, Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he said, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. He said, Everything in the whole Bible hinges on these two things. The number one thing is you got to sell out and love God. And then he said this. Now, this is what we're going to be looking at really close tonight. He said, then love your neighbor. He didn't say period. He said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. And this is what we're going to look at. The reason most Christians have such a hard time loving other people because they don't know how to love themselves. Have you ever noticed that when you're upset with yourself and you're having a bad day about yourself or going through a bad season and you don't like something you've done, you kick the dog probably going out the door. You come to a, you come to a traffic light and you're ready to flip, flip somebody off and you don't even know them. That's because you're not loving yourself right then. You're absolutely thinking you're a loser. You're the scum of the earth. You feel worthless, you feel like a worm, you feel dumb, you feel stupid, so you treat other people the same way how you feel. In other words, what you see about you is what you start to see in everybody else. Amen. He said, he said the second commandment is like the first one. He said you love God for all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, all your mind. He said you're supposed to love yourself that way too. You're supposed to love you. And we're not talking about a flesh thing. We're talking about a spiritual thing. And that's what we're going to look at. We need to see ourselves how God sees us. But anyway, and so in this verse right here, to be able to love yourself so you love others, number one, you got to totally sell out and love God first. If you love God first, you're going to want to read your Bible. 
you know, our church makes it kind of easy for people to read the Bible. We put we put scriptures on there every day that we study the Bible together. We study books of the Bible, study chapters of the Bible. Every day we can be on the same page. You can actually have discussions with each other and say, hey, did you read that today in Joshua? Wasn't that awesome in Joshua twenty four fifteen, where Joshua said, you guys can do what you want to do? And that's, that's one of our verses today. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Said so we're not turning back. We're not going back. We don't care what's politically correct. We're going to serve the Lord in spite of what people think. That's what we're going to do. If nobody else wants to, that's what we're going to do. And that's in our Bible study today. So if you don't know where to read the Bible, every first Sunday of the month, we have a big list out there. that's down on the table. I think most of the month you pick up a Bible list of where we're reading that. Or you can go on the Internet to the hdwc.org website and pull it up and see what we're doing. So you can do it that way. And we have lots of study books to help you out of the bookstore. So anyway, if you love God, you're going to study his word. You want to learn, you want to grow. And if you love God, then that means you're going to love his people. And that means that if you've got a choice, you want to come to church instead of just doing old social things all the time. Nothing wrong with having fun out in the world, but you know, uh, I can't get away from this, got to get to it. I can't get on bunny trails. But let me ask you this, something we've observed as pastors for a lot of years. How many days are there in a week? Seven. And most people don't, most people have Saturday off and has normal jobs. Well, how come it is then that so many times when people are going through battles of life, struggles, crisis, and go through a hard time, they choose that that time they're going to take off out of town to do something. It has to be on Sunday, but they stay home all day on Saturday. Can't they do something just easy on Saturday as they can do on Sunday? Or how come is it they're going to have that special get-together and they got a three-day weekend? Why can't they do it on one of the other days of the weekend, but they do it on Sunday? I'm not being critical of what people do with their lives. I'm talking about choices. If you know that your help comes from the house of God, hanging around other Christians that talk victory and talk about Jesus, then why can't you do some rescheduling sometimes? Just stop and think ahead about, hey, wait a minute. I'm losing. Now, if I go to this out here and... 90% of the people I'm with are losing, and they don't talk about the same God I do. And when they say, when they say Jesus Christ, they're not saying Jesus Christ is Lord. They're using his name like a cuss word. And when they use God's name, they add things to it that it didn't lift it up God. And I'm going to hang around these guys today. And you know what I did years ago? It's just, just a thought. Years ago, back in Indiana, my family, every year, not, not this family, but my whole big family, there's a lot of samples out there in Indiana. They chose to have a family reunion every year on a Sunday. And they started saying, I didn't come. Now they started getting mad at me. The whole samples family wanted to gang up on me. Why don't you come on Sunday? I said, well, I'll tell you what. I work for God. Sunday's my main work day. I said, he's the one that gives me a paycheck. And I said, people come on Sunday and that's my job. I said, I preach to them. I help them. I said, let's, I'll tell you what let's do. All of you take off on Monday. We'll do it on Monday. You take off from your job. <laughs> you know, and they, they really got mad at me about that. I said, or I'll tell you what, let's do another. I said, oh, you're off on Saturday. Let's have the travel union on Saturday. They wouldn't budge. They wouldn't yield. They wouldn't do it on Sunday. So I just, I made my choice. And so there were several travel unions we got to go to. But we got there late in the afternoon after things were over with because we had to take care of God's business first. And then we showed up. 
Hey, I've just said that's a choice that we made what we did because we knew where we had to be and what we had to do. So people can do what they want to do. But when you love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and you have priorities set out, then you make choices sometimes. And, you know, I, I said this a long time, time ago about myself. I would rather be a God pleaser than a man pleaser. And so if I'm going to love myself first, like God wants me to love me, I don't have anything to love them with unless I go get it. I have to go get a fill up in my spiritual tank or I don't have any love to dish out. I would show up one of those things. If I didn't get filled up with what God had for me, I'd probably show up there and get mad at him for smoking and cussing and drinking and doing the stuff they're doing. If I go there for the love of God, I'm going to be able to work the crowd and be able to share something to help them with. If I go in there in the flesh, I'm probably going to want to hit them. <laughs> no better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, love God, sell out. Number two, verse 39, he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so this is the root of many Christians' faith failures. Faith failures happen because people don't know how to love themselves, so they can't love their neighbors. And so many Christians don't really know how to biblically love themselves, so that's how they love others. And so how you think and talk about yourself will influence how you see and judge others. How you think and talk about yourself is going to influence how you see other people and how you judge other people. And so I want to show you how the Bible says to love yourself so you can love others with the love of God. Now back up a few pages and look at chapter 12. We are going to show you how to pull some tools out of here that's always been there, except you just looked at them. Pop quiz. Psalms 35, 27, anybody? <laughs> uh, Mrs. Pastor, getting you look at that toolbox a little deeper, isn't she? Uh, Matthew 12, verse 34 through 37. Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? Now look at this. Jesus made a statement here. About your spiritual life, that's an absolute, absolute Bible tool, Bible necessity, spiritual law you have to get a hold of. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the abundance, do anybody know what abundance means? That means a lot of it. If you got a bumper crop, you mean you got an abundance of whatever it is you harvested. A bumper crop means abundance. Abundance of anything. Uh, I know that I've got little, little jars, cans, drawers at home in my, in my shop out in my garage, stuff I've gathered over years. I have abundance of nuts and bolts and screws and washers and all kinds of stuff in little drawers that I don't, I never have to buy those things. If I'm working on something, working on some of my kids stuff, cars, anything like that, I said, I've got to one of my drawers. I have an abundance of that kind of washers. That means I got a, a lot of it. And Jesus said, from the abundance of your heart, your mouth talks. And what that means is this. Whatever you read the most, whatever you listen to the most, whoever the kind of people are you hang around with, how they talk about things, that's what's going to be in you the most in your heart. And Jesus said, that's how your mouth will talk. If I get around people that are really sports nuts, I mean real sports nuts, they'll tell me who won the 1927 World Series. 
Now tell me how bad that call was in the sixth inning, and that cost the babe the game. Now tell me about the Yankees fans, how mean they were that year, and what happened, because that's in their heart and abundance, because they read sports, they think sports. Now tell me about the first Super Bowl. Now tell me about Johnny Unitas, and how he got injured in what part of the game, and how many years he missed over that, or whatever it is. In other words, you get around people, those that's how they talk. If we begin to talk about America, people that are so absolutely steeped in politics, they will tell me all about the Democrats, all about the Republicans. They'll tell me all about all kinds of things going on, because that's in them in abundance. I get around somebody that's really serious about God. They read their Bibles. They talk to Jesus. They read spiritual books. I get around them, and somebody starts talking negative about some, some different things in life. The first thing they're going to do, they're going to start quoting verses. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you remember that verse Mrs. Pastor taught Luke 6.38? You don't have to be broke. Jesus said, give it, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed out, shaken together. And they'll be talking, say, wait a minute, you remember that second verse you taught Luke, Luke Leviticus 27.30? said, the tithes holy belongs to God. Give God 10% first. You don't have to be broke. And that's what's in their hearts in abundance because that's what they've been reading. That's what they've been listening to. That's what they've been getting out of church. So in other words, Jesus told us a spiritual law. He said, one of the biggest tools you got is your heart, your ears, and your mouth. He said, what goes in, goes in. And what's down there comes out here. Amen. And so anyway, look at this next verse then. He says, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart. Treasure of the heart. That word literally means treasury or depository. You know what a depository is or a treasury? That's the place where you store your valuables. You have something that means a lot, you put it in your depository. You put it in your safe deposit box at the bank. You put it, you put it in a safe. You put things in a depository, in a treasury that you want to protect, you want to keep. And he said, a good man out of the good treasure heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word, that means every non-productive word, every word that does not produce faith, does not produce life, that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. I'll tell you what, since I read that verse probably 37 years ago, you do not know how many times I prayed for crop failure. For things to be under the blood of Jesus, so it had to be judged for him. He said, every word you speak, that's not a producing word, you're going to be judged. Praise God for crop failure when you can pray for mercy to get things covered. Amen? Now look at this. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And so what Jesus is saying in this, our heart is a spiritual treasury or depository, and so whatever information and knowledge we read and listen to the most is what we talk about the most. And then what he says here, what we talk about the most is what we're going to have the most. He said, whatever's in you, that's what's going to come out. Now, I want you to look at Mark eleven twenty three, a real familiar verse. And this is another one of those verses that uh, Mrs. Pastor, I probably think that one of these times we're offering verse, you ought to get them into Mark eleven twenty three. Didn't get a hold of this. 
Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said this. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, and in my Bible, I wrote this means me because I'm a whosoever. That means you because you're whosoever shall say. And I circled the word say. Shall say into this mountain. And the mountain symbolizes whatever in your life is impossible for you to move right now. If it's a sick problem, a family problem. A money problem, a job problem, a child problem, marriage problem, whatever it is in your life that looks like a mountain, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say to that mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart. Well, you remember, you know, this heart's come up here several times tonight. It said, Love the Lord God with all your heart. Then he said, From the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaketh. This says, of the good treasure of the heart. He's talking about your inner man, your spirit on the inside. He said that you love God from the inside from your heart. He said, in your heart is where your words are going to come from, that you speak whatever's in there the most is what you're going to talk about. He said that your heart can either have evil coming out of it or good coming out of it. That's so why he said, from your heart you don't doubt And so there's a difference between your heart and your head. Your faith will work if your head has been bombarded with doubt as long as you keep your heart pure your heart right. He said, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, and I circled the saith again. We're talking about a very, very valuable tool right here. We're talking about the tool of your heart and your mouth speaking words of faith. I've shown you how to use one of the most valuable tools in your toolbox. Your words, your mouth, your heart. Jesus said, But shall believe those things she saith shall come to pass. Now look at that last phrase right there. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I circled saith. Three times he's talking about your words, your mouth. This is a tool. Your mouth, your heart, your words. I know that I used to work with my dad on cars. He wasn't, he, he was a good mechanic. That was his main thing, but he was a good mechanic. Work on tires that after I was a Christian on cars, it was so hard to work on cars with my dad. I love my dad. He's in heaven now. Well, it'll probably break. And I said, no, in the name of Jesus, it won't. We'll never get that off. I say, yeah, in Jesus' name, we will get it off. <laughs> well, if if I break it, we'll never find another one. I say, in Jesus' name, you're not going to break, but if you did, we'll find another one. <laughs> I mean, I had to just stand there for my words. You could ask any of my family, my boys here in Barstow, ask my wife how many impossible things I'm able to fix, how many things I'm able to find, how many things I'm able to get in my hands, because I always keep my words right. That there is hooked up to that there. And I'm loaded with tools out of my big toolbox there. And I know how to reach it. I know how to pull parts out of my toolbox. Oh, boy. Yeah, do I. <laughs> we had a 1975 Vatican one time. Anybody know what a Vatican is? That, that, that's, that's a specialized, uh, super-energized Volkswagen micro bus. <laughs> but anyway, Vatican was the next size up. Dave, you probably know what one is, don't you? 
Okay, it, it was at the the micro buses were the first ones came out. We had one of those too. But anyway, we had a Vatican, man. We thought we'd arrived. I liked that Vatican so much we took it all the way to Maine. They had kids all in it. So we're going through the mountains of Upper State, New York. Somewhere along the way, my muffler fell off that 1975 Vatican. And something like that, man, you don't talk about drawing attention from to you going through a city with a Volkswagen Vatican with no muffler. And it was painted yellow like a school bus. Well, we thought we were prosperous then. Anyway, we're driving through the mountains, and I'm praying for a muffler. Don't have a lot of money, but if you got money, where are you going to find a muffler for 1975 Vatican? So we're praying, and a couple of my boys were acting up. And so we pulled off the side of the road up in the upper state mountains of where there's nothing up there. Nothing. Pulled off the side of the road, get ready to whip a couple of my kids. And I looked down the road, and there's a muffler laying there. <laughs> I thought, wow, that looks like it fit. So we forgot the whipping right then, and I'm still there probably grateful to this day. And I got down there, and I picked it up. I put it up there, and I put it on, it fit right on, and I got it wedged up there. And I got something to ward it up so it wouldn't fall off. Got back to the guy, and got the Indiana guy braised it off for me as the perfect muffler for that vehicle. But I always confess, I have what I need. Any part I ever need, I always find. God's got it for me. Wherever it's at, He supplies all of my need. That's a need. He's God. He supplies. That's Philippians 4.19. I confess that I believe that, but that's what I'm telling you. This is a toolbox. That's a toolbox. If you don't use your tools, well, I think about Dave again. You know, uh, Dave, I don't know if you're like me, but probably start off and had nothing. You could probably use a hammer and a pair of pliers to do about anything. But to work on some of this stuff today, I like these modern tools. Now I can get a socket. I can get specialized wrenches. And now you got little battery-operated tools you get to hook onto that don't take a lot of muscle. A lot of things. I would rather do that than pull out my old pliers and have to just try to use a pair of pliers to do something. I'd rather use the right tool. And so would you rather use the right things than to go back to the old days and all you know how to pray is Jesus, 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 help, help, help. That's a good thing to pray if you don't know anything else. But I like to have the right tool. I like to say, Father, I just want to thank you. I'm reaching into Philippians 4.19. Lord, I, I need a Malachi chapter 3 right here. Lord, thank you. In verse 10, you said you rebuked the devourer for me because I'm a tither. Lord, you said the windows have her open. Lord, I want us to pull that out right now. And Lord, then you said in Philippians 4, 6, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Lord, I want to put some thanksgiving right now. I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that the word's working. I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, that the windows have her open. I want to thank you and praise you that Satan is rebuked because you said he is, Lord. I want to thank you and praise you, Lord. You see what I'm saying? There's so many tools there, but you got to know the right tool to put at the right time because in, in, in that particular Prayer right there, Philippians 4, 6 says in everything by prayer. If you don't ever pray, pull out the prayer tool, you might as well forget some of the rest of them because you're going to get the first one out first. Amen. Amen. Do a better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so Jesus said that uh, you'll have what you say. And then he said in Matthew 12 that whatever's in your heart, the most what you talk about the most. And so when you talk about the most, what you're having the most. Can you see that from those verses right there? And so what we say the most is what we'll have everyday lives. Do you want sickness or divine health? Stop to measure your words. 
What do you use the most out of your mouth? Do you talk about sickness the most? Or do you talk about healing the most? Somebody told me recently, hey, you know, there's a bug coming around. I said, well, the bug come around your house if you want it. I said this, now come around my house. I don't let bugs in my house. I don't like diarrhea bugs. Hey, we're being real. I don't like flu bugs. Amen. I don't like vomiting bugs. I don't like fever bugs. I got a tool of my Bible. In Matthew 8, 17, says Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. I got another tool called James 4, 7, says submit myself to God. Resist the devil and he flees from me. I got another tool. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, says lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, they shall recover. I pull those tools out. And so if somebody wants to put that bug business on me, I'll say, take the bug back to your house. I'm not taking any bugs in my house. If I'm going to sit on a throne, it's going to be the throne of God with him, joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> Amen. If I'm going to bow my knees at the throne, it's going to be his throne. Amen. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the throne of grace. <laughs> I'm no better preacher than you are shouting. Glory to God. Amen. Am I helping anybody? Am I helping anybody? Amen. Okay, do you want poverty and lack or prosperity and abundance? Amen. You know what? I don't like the fact that I keep hearing about this gasoline tax. You know what? Flip is 419 in my toolbox is my universal tool for that gasoline tax. But my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I don't want gasoline to be there. You know what? I have a hard time even saying that gasoline's above a dollar a gallon. Okay, I'm still old school. Somebody asked me, say, say, well, Pastor, what's what's gas running in Barstow now? And I said, dollar forty nine. I said, and they said, wait a minute, no, not dollar forty nine. It's two forty nine, I think, or whatever it is. Because you know, I, I remember when I started buying gasoline. Gasoline was about a quarter a gallon. Man, I I remember I'd take three dollars and fill up my car. Those cars had big tanks back then. They were tanks. I mean, man, we drove tanks. Those were some, man, we had some cars. They didn't have these rubber bumpers, man. Somebody broke down, your buddies broke down. Grab your arm bumpers. We had to pull up around and shove them up the road. We had, man. And you better get out of the way because they were tough cars. And we filled them up with a little bit of money. And so anyway, Philippians 419, where the gas is $5 a gallon, which we know it's been that way out here for it. I hated it every time I filled it up. And I washed my mouth. I said, thank you, Lord, supplied all the needs in Jesus' name. Because Jesus said, we'll have whatsoever we saith. I would never say we can't afford to go on vacation because of gas prices. I would never say that. I'd say, glory to God, if we're going on vacation, God's going to take care of it. We've got enough money to go. We're going to do what we want to do because our God has supplied all of our need. I would never say, I can't afford to eat there. If I need to eat there, I'm going to eat there. God's going to pay for it. I would never say, I can't go there and buy that food today. I say, my God supplies all of my need. I can afford to buy whatever I need to buy. We've had lots of times of lack, but i tell you one thing. While I was going through it, I never talked about it. I talked the word, talked the word, talked the word, talked the word. We made adjustments sometimes in life, had to do some things. We'd look at each other, and we'd go, mm, zip the lip. 
We're not going to talk. If we can't talk what the Bible says, we're not going to talk. And, you know, I think about Dave being the master mechanic he is and everything like that. I know that mechanics don't start off knowing how to use every tool. I know they don't start off knowing how to diagnose every problem. And just like us as Christians, we don't start off as master mechanics as Christians. We develop and we grow. We develop and we grow. But I tell you, there's a tool right here called your mouth. you got to get this one. you got to get this one. What you put in your heart comes out. And Jesus said, what comes out is what you have. Amen. Amen. And so look at Ephesians 4.29. Somebody stop the clock. We're running out of time. Don't let the clock say that. Ephesians 4.29 says this. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that be Mr. Grace unto the hearers. My, my, my pastor that I had as a baby Christian, I happened the next 13 years till I went to the ministry, and then he moved to heaven after that, taught this verse all the time. And I want to tell you what this means. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That means negative talk, goofy talk, non-word talk. Jesus in Matthew 12 called it idle words, evil words. He says, but let come out of your mouth what's good to use of edified. So I want to ask you this. And I want you just to really think about it. Who hears your words the most in your life? You do. You know, I'm with her lots of times, but there are a few times I'm not with her, but I still hear me. She hears me more than by the world, but I hear me more than she hears me. She hears her. More than I hear her. In your life, whoever you're the closest to, they hear you a lot, but you hear you 100% of the time. Amen. And so we're teaching you how to love yourself so you love others how God wants you to. And so you hear yourself the most. And so the Bible says right here, I want you to notice two things. Now we're talking, we're teaching you right here how to love yourself how God says in the Bible so you can love other people. How God wants you to love other people because Jesus said, you love yourself, and then you love your neighbor, is this. The Bible says right here, your words need to edify yourself. How do you know what edify means? That means to build yourself up. If you're going to edify somebody, see, tonight, I'm edifying you. I'm building you up spiritually. I'm making you feel good spiritually. Does this edify you to say, oh, I'm just so dumb, I can't do anything. I'm a, lo- I'm a loser. I'm just worthless. I, 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 I might as well go to heaven. I can't do anything. I'm so stupid. I'm so dumb. I can't believe I talk that way all the time. I know there's people in here tonight that probably said this about themselves today or the past few days. Well, see what you're doing? You're totally violating what God said to do to love yourself. Does First John 1 9 works that in the Bible? Anybody know what that tool is? If you confess your sins. He's faithful just forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's a tool. To me, that's a master tool. There's no way, shape, or form I could have preached beyond one month if I did not receive forgiveness from God for being stupid. Because we're all the same. We do dumb things sometimes. We do stupid things sometimes. We do wrong things sometimes. If we didn't have to pull that tool out and get cleaned up, we could never come out in front of people to help people. 
And so you have to know that in God's eyes, you're not dumb, you're not stupid, you're not a loser. In Christ, you're a winner. In Christ, you have wisdom. In Christ, you're brilliant, etc., etc. And you've got to start saying that about yourself according to the Word of God, because it says right here, but that which is good used to edify. Now listen to this next part. Look at your Bibles. That it may minister grace. Anybody ever heard the word grace? They minister grace to the hearers. Grace means a lot of things. One thing grace means is the favor of God. How many know that we have favor with God because of His grace? He says your words need to minister grace to you. Your words need to speak favor of God to you. Your words need to open your life up to the favor of God. Another definition of grace that I really like is God's willingness to use His power and His ability in your behalf even though you don't deserve it. I want to say that again. I think that's one of my favorite definitions of grace. God's willingness to use His power and His ability in my behalf even though I don't deserve it. That's the grace of God. It says right here, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth but that's which is good to minister grace. To minister grace. Your words need to open your life up for the help of God, the blessing of God, the grace of God. We're talking about how to love yourself so you can love your neighbor. When you begin to talk about yourself, how your Father God talks about yourself, then you're getting into the love of God realm. And when that gets in you, it'll come out of you. Because Jesus said the buds heart about speaking. And you know, I'm not talking about getting in the mirror and primping all day long. Oh, you're so beautiful. You know, you're not Cassius Clay. Well, now he changed his name, Muhammad Ali. Everybody heard Muhammad Ali? You know, he used to say all the time, I'm so beautiful. I'm so pretty. I'm so beautiful. Well, the spirit, in God's eyes, you're beautiful. In God's eyes, you're clean. I don't care what you've done. When you confess your sins to God, God has cleaned you. You're not dirty. You're not a loser. You're not an idiot. In God's eyes, you're clean. You're pure. You're holy. Now, the outside may need some work yet. But God, God said concerning King David, He said, man looks at the outside. I look at the inside. So you got to start looking at what's in there. And so, He said you need to minister grace to yourself by your words. And I want you just to write this first out. I'm not going to look at it. We're talking about how to train yourself to love yourself. Philemon 6, and I'm not going to, we're not going to look at it because we're running out of time. I've got to get to the tool I gave you. Philemon 6 says that you, for your communication, your faith to be effective, you've got to acknowledge every good thing, every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You've got to begin to talk about every good thing in you because of what Jesus did for you. Somebody gave away all my tool cards because I gave them to them, so let me borrow one. And I want to show you how to use this. I was telling Katie a while ago that uh, I met my pastor for the first time on the Sunday before Labor Day in 1980. The Sunday before Labor Day in 1980. I went, I went to his church and got hooked up with him for life until he moved to heaven. But I remember that first Sunday, he handed these cards out. And Katie said, you haven't changed those all these years? I said, why change them? It's the Word of God. And it changed me. You know, uh, I know we got other mechanics in here, but Dave's the main one I see. David, 
Uh, do you think hammers have changed much in the last 40 years? Is a hammer still a hammer like it used to be? How about a pair of pliers, basic pair of pliers? How about a crescent wrench? How about a pair of vice grips? Why are you going to change them if they're good? You know, this card is such a powerful tool that I want to tell you what you do with this. Now, you've got, the, I, I get, you've got a free tool. Now. We're, better, we're better than uh, Harbor Freight. You know, <laughs> no, no, no offense to Harbor Freight. They give away stuff all the time. We give away better stuff. Anyway, look, look at this. Uh, well, look at this side. It says, never again, never again. That's why I call these never again cards. Proverbs 6, 2 says, you're snared with the words of your mouth. There's power in your words to kill, destroy, hurt, or build, help, encourage, and strengthen. And so what I did to learn to use this tool, I read down this side, and then I get things like this here where it says, never again will I confess. See a little ways down the page there. I can't. For I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And it's got the Bible reference right there, Philippians 4.13. So you go to your Bible, open up Philippians 4.13, take some yellow marker and put through it, put a little red star beside it. If you want to, however you mark your Bible, do something so that verse jumps off at you. In my toolbox, in my toolbox, uh, I, I, I keep things in order. In my toolbox, I have sockets here. I have screwdrivers here. I have pliers here and wrenches and stuff in different order. Like, I want to reach in and get them out. You know, I've seen people work on stuff and they cuss and they snort and they blow smoke out their nose because they got the tools just haphazard. They don't know how to get them. I've seen Christians. Well, I know verses, but I don't know addresses. Address means the reference point. I was talking to somebody the other day that was ministering to somebody somewhere that was a religious person, not necessarily a Bible person, said, Pastor, I'm so glad you taught me to know where the verses are. Because I opened their Bible, I went right to this certain verse, and I knew where, what was you, Dylan? Just tell me about something. And Dylan said, because I taught him that, he went to that to help a person see that in the Bible. And so you need to know, not just to have a 916th socket, you need to know where it's at. You don't just need to have a, a small Phillips screwdriver. You need to know where your Phillips screwdriver is. And so when you read these things here, mark them in your Bibles and find them again. And look at that next one. Never again will I confess unmeet needs or poverty, for my God shall supply all my need, according to riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And then go to this other side. And read this out loud. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe my heart that God raised him dead, therefore I'm saved. And I want to tell you something, why that's so important. Until you mature as a Christian, if you don't feel saved, the devil will make you think you're not saved because you're waiting on a feeling. And because you're waiting on a feeling, you'll think, oh, what's the use? And you'll go sinning again because you don't feel saved. Well, when you begin to read stuff like this, you realize you're not saved because you feel saved. You're saved because the Bible says you're saved. And you need to pull that tool out when you need it. I, I can't tell you how many different times I've been up here on a Sunday. This place is full of glory and anointing, and I've given an altar call, and I'm standing right here, and I want to turn around and lay hands on me. You know why? Because I want to feel something too. But the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. I preach by faith, not by feeling. I preach healing by faith, not because I feel healed, because the Bible says I am healed. I preach tithing, prosperity, and abundance financially, not because I'm a millionaire, but because the Bible says so and I believe it, and it works in me. 
So as you get these tools out of the box, into your head, into your heart, into your mouth, no matter what you come up against, you're going to reach out of that and you're going to say, I need binded and loosened right now. Matthew 18 18, I'm going to pull that tool out. Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And what are you doing? you got a little wrench out. You're making a little adjustment right there. You're telling Satan, Satan, I bind you off my house. I bind you out of my family in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just want to thank you that the blessing of God's loosed, binded and loosened, loosing the blessing on my house, on my finances. That's how this works, guys. That's all I want to tell you. As you begin to love yourself with the Word of God, edify yourself, build yourself up the Word of God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to walk into life because people cross your path. Instead of you unloading a volley of bad stuff on them, you're going to say, you know what? God says you're special. God says you're special in His eyes, and I don't care what you feel like today. And yeah, you may have blew it last week. You told me about that yesterday. Let's quit talking about what you did last week. Let's pray. Let's let Jesus cleanse you right now. And then quit talking about how you lost. Start talking about how you can win through Christ Jesus every day of your life. And amen. See, that works because number one, you love God with all your heart. Number two, you love yourself because you love yourself that you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.